Welcome everyone. We're about to begin. Bases Hashem BPJ number fifty-two. That's Bice Plimi joint share share number fifty-two. This is going to be the last share on the book by eight of eight dates by John and Julie Gottman and Doug and Rachel Abrams. And date number eight is called the Lifetime of Love Dreams. And the idea behind this, I think, is a lot similar to uh, growth and spirituality, but a little more than that, perhaps. And this is the idea of that when a couple, a husband or a wife, has dreams and aspirations about things, um, to do your best, even if it's not realistic, to acknowledge it, to validate date it, and see if it is indeed possible to do everything you can to support your husband or your wife's dream or aspirations. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch helps with with Siat Shmaya that it actually comes to fruition. Um, it could be minor things, it could be major things, um, it could be um, that uh, a husband dreams that uh, he wants to have his own study of Sfarim, you know, and his own study with a desk and this and that, whatever it is, and his wife does everything she can to accommodate that and to get that done for him, um, or the other way around. The wife has a certain aspiration and wants things, and we're not just talking about merely, um, you know, um, something that's, um, you know, just the basic levels of things, but she wants to do something or she wants to have something that really, really is her dream to do her best to, to do, he should do his best to support her in her endeavors of that. This dreaming together and asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for things about this, this is a healthy thing if it's done the right way. This is not, we're not talking about when a person is just simply self-centered and wants to run after desires, type of thing, that if someone wants 100, he wants 200, someone wants 200, he wants 400, and they're not being Samech Bechelkoi. That is a different story. Um, yes, it is true that a person should be work their best to be happy with their lot, but there's certain things that they sometimes yearn for that could be a healthy thing, whether it's a vocation that they want to do or something that they want to accomplish, something they want to achieve, and and it's some and it comes sometimes very, it comes a lot of times from a very healthy place, and like sometimes, for example, is if a husband is has a certain type of a career that he started out with and he's yearning to take change directions, but it doesn't seem realistically financially to do so, to be passionate, to be compassionate about that dream, to see if there's indeed maybe a realistic way to achieve that um, and, 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 and work through it that way. Other examples, I, I, and one example I know of a story of basically that, that, that uh, one particular husband enjoyed the uh, weather enjoyed um, studying weather, analyzing weather, listened to these famous uh, uh, weather analysts, and that was a hobby of his. He really, really was into it a lot. And secretly, the wife treated the husband, and she found out and made inquiries and got uh, to get to one of these real famous weather people in a real news station to meet that person and to go through a tour over his... uh, uh, equipment and 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 his thing and and it was a really really unbelievable experience for him. Those type of ideas, those type of things of really, even if it's not a realistic thing, to really absorb it, to to find it precious to you because it's precious to your spouse of what they really really yearn for, what they really really would like, 
and do your best to fulfill it. And even if you can, can't, to, to, to be compassionate about it and keep that uh, dream on and, and be encouraging about it in a realistic way. doesn't mean you do something crazy. Uh, you know, you can't just change careers out of the blue or spend a crazy amount of money out of the blue. But the idea being, though, is to keep that uh, alive and fresh. Let's say someone, a, a, a budding Talmud Chacham, he's aspiring to write Svarim. He doesn't see how he's going to go about it or how he's able to do it. But to encourage him with it, to give him chizik, you know, and her to him to give her chizik on what she needs to do, what she wants to do. You'll find if I look back, again, I have to read biographies and have to redo research on it, but I'm sure there are many, many situations where one husband to wife, wife to husband, it goes both ways, sensed that they had a talent, sensed they had an aspiration and a desire to do something, didn't know how they were going to go about doing it, and yet with the encouragement of, of the, uh, the uh, one of the spouse, was, was they were willing to do, sacrifice and do everything they can to get them to realize their long lost dream, um, you know, and, and, and they accomplished tremendously. You know, you have this in a certain level with Rabbi Kiva's wife uh, that um, supported him in his learning all those years. But you have this all through the history of, 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 of the, the centuries of married life, how they honored each other's dreams and did their best to do what they can to keep it alive and to do their best to fill it that need or at least encourage them not to give it up on that and cherish it because that's part of what is really deep in the heart of your husband and your wife. You sometimes, for example, the secular world, a, a husband wants very deeply want to write a novel or want to write a book that could influence people. You have this a lot, husband to wife, wife to husband. I read a lot of books and I read the author sometimes writes a preface. It could be a male author for a female, female author for the male. So let's say it's a female author. A female author wrote a book, her dream book, of, and it was a bestseller, actually, and it influenced people, it helped people. And in the, in the acknowledgments in the beginning, I read this, it happens a lot, that they thank their husbands because while she was doing the writing and everything else, besides the encouragement and the advice that he um, helped her with on that, he took care of the kids and let her have time to write because he knew it was a sacrifice, it wouldn't be forever, but this was something she really, really wanted or needed to do. And he sacrificed to, and supported him, supported her to do, to fulfill that dream. And they support each other. You have, I saw very often in the Mechabre Svarim, a lot of times you think it's just a style. You know, you write, a, 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 a person writes an Agdama of a big Sefer, a Rosh Hashiva, a, a, a Rav, a, or Talmud Chacham writes a Sefer. And very often towards the end of the Hagdama, they do thank their Eishas Chayel and for, 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 for clearing out all the tirdas, all the, all the, all the Tzarchi Abayas, all the things in the household and raising the children that they took care of so that their husbands should be free to learn and to, and to study Tyra and to learn Tyra. They all, all the, even the big daily Israel, most of them acknowledged it publicly to their Talmidim. And they said, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't be where I am in my learning and in my being, being able to be Marbet's Tyra if my wife wouldn't remove from me a lot of those tear dice. Now, sometimes they say it out of rote. Sometimes the, the, you know, whatever it is. But a lot of times this is a real reality where a wife is mamish an Aishas Chayel and dedicated and gives up of herself to for him to fulfill his dream and a Tachlis 
to be a Mechaber Svarim, to be a Marbetz Torah, and so on and so forth. And you have it the other, other way around. Okay, You read the story of Rebetzin Jungreis. It's a fascinating story. I read the biography a while ago. Very inspirational. It's good either look at her books and read about it. And her husband was a big person in his own right, a very special person. You, you read it, you see how special he was. And he, you could see from the book that you read over there how much he gave up of himself, a lot, you know, giving his wife, he, she, he sensed that his wife had that special kayach, that kishrin, to be able to spread out and reach out to men in Yiddishkeit and to influence. He, by the way, was no slouch either. He was a tremendous person in his own right. You read up on him and you study his life. Remarkable what he accomplished. In his own, he was a quieter person in his own quiet way, how he influenced his kahila and, and influenced people behind the scenes more. But tremendous, tremendous. But he saw in his wife that she had this tuna to really be public and, and he, she had the backing of many G'dayli Yisrael to do this. And he put his full 100% dedication to her and gave up uh, many things to, for her to do her traveling and to reach out and to do whatever she needed to do and supported her fully, fully to fulfill that dream. It was also obviously a deeper tachlis to be a Makar Eden, to bring them back to Taira and Mitzvahs. But he saw in her she had that tuna, and he gave up a lot for that. So this is sacrificing. This is a, a date eight, and it's really a high level. It's a high level when you really, really are fundamentally changing your your whole mahalach, and you're really giving up of your time and your energy for the other person to allow them to fulfill their dream as best as you possibly could. So again, this is something that is kedai. You could dream together on things, even things that may seem impossible. And you never know. You hear stories, inspirational stories, where people wanted to start an organization or started certain things to help people or whatever it is, and it, and it ballooned into something wonderful and beautiful. So this is an idea um, that's date number eight that is also a very important thing. The idea of honoring each other's dreams that creates love, even if those dreams are not realized. The fact that you are fully receptive and open to want to have the other one fulfill that potential or that real yearning that they have in life. Again, we're not talking about egotistical, like I want to travel the world to Stamazai. I want to have a billion-dollar mansion, you know, something like that. We're talking about real, internal, deep needs. I want to write a book that will inspire other people. I need, uh, I, I, I have this tuna to be able to influence people, and I want to use that for, to, the, to its fullest, uh, and so on and so forth. And that is really the idea. You have to really be machshiv each other's dreams. Don't look at it as silly, even if it's not realistic right now. Don't, if it's, you see it's sincere and you see it's real, you see that Ernst about it, even if it's not realistic, you value it, you cherish it, and you never make fun of it. And you do your best and you ask Hashem for help. If it's a healthy dream, you know, we're not talking about things that are not healthy, obviously, but a healthy dream to help it come true. And even though it rarely happens in, 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 in some situations, but nevertheless, if you do, you try and you daven, it really, really helps and it creates a strong bond by the very fact you honor their dream. It's showing that you love them. It's showing that you care for them. It's showing that you value them as a person and then you value their soul and what they're really yearning for and you take it seriously and you honor it. 
And when you're honoring it, the rest of the relationship becomes easier because here is where your spouse actually feels, you actually get them. You actually understand them. There's a life purpose to those dreams. It's not just them and the Velterite. It's not something that's totally superficial. There's something real about it. So that's a very, very important side. And to be Messiah, this uh, eight-day thing, which I think is extremely valuable to look over and to try to practice a lot of these things. This is only the beginning, they say. And because if you're want to have a lifetime of deep connection with one another. It's an adventure. It's about exploring each other in the, in, 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 in the, in the most profound way. It's about feeling safe with each other, trusting each other. And that's a matter of developing a deep friendship, which happens from different aspects of these eight dates, is what you're doing is you're developing a deep friendship of one another. And you show up, meaning that you are committed and you keep your word. All of these things improve your relationships. You, if you, if you, uh, you know, uh, when you leave in the morning and she's tar and, 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 and you kiss each other goodbye, you hug each other, you play together, you take time to talk to each other and you talk about what's bothering you and you express it, you honor each other's dreams like we just talked about. And, and they bring up in the, in the, in a chapter at the very end, which is a conclusion, which is entitled Cherish Each Other. And they explain basically like this, that couples who are happiest in their relationship always express positivity. Couples whose love lasts, they have a ratio of the five to one positive versus negative interactions. Obviously, you want to eliminate it altogether, but we're realistic. We're human beings. We make mistakes. But if you have a five to one ratio, that for every one time you complain in some negative way, there's five real strong positive reinforcements, you're in good shape. There's a goodwill between the two of you. And, um, and that's, that's, and then when you, and when you um, increase that from five to one to 10 to one, now it's every, every negative thing that you may say when you're upset or frustrated is 10 positive things, then 20 positive things. Then you know that you're going beyond just having a good relationship. Now it's showing that you really, truly cherish each other. You're really making your relationship a priority. It shows you're giving it time. You're giving it attention. So these eight dates means you have to do eight times 100. You do 800 dates. You keep on doing it for the rest of your life. And it's very, very important. Now, we talk, it says here, they write here, that if you have to be brave enough not to hide parts of yourself. And again, we take this with the grain of salt only in the sense that if you yourself are struggling with something that you know is temporary, it'll pass by, you don't have to say any, every negative struggle that you experienced. But at the same time, there has to be overall a feeling of truth and honesty and a foundation. That is an extremely important aside. So even though we said this before, that even though the, it's mutter to be mashanis with nehashalim, you're allowed to change something with nehashalim. Okay, um, it's interesting. There's, there was a, 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 a it was a meaningful um, a people. Someone who was very very close to Ramosha was his mamash like a ben bias over there, and he used to go to Ramosha to. Uh, uh, to prepare to prepare suppers for him when his Rebetzin had to go away. One night his Rebetzin had to go away, and he told he told this this uh, he was a bocher then or a little younger man. I forgot 
that when you're with Ramosha, please make sure he goes to sleep a certain time because he gets up very early in the morning. Now, the, the, and then he was taking the interview that when he heard this from the Rebbets, and he felt very, very uncomfortable. Because even though the Rosh Hashiv was a tremendous anav and treated him like a friend, he, who always, he felt it was out of his place. He can't tell the Rosh Hashiva that the Rebbetson said you have to go to sleep this 10 o'clock or whatever, as of whatever it was. He felt very, very uncomfortable um, doing that. But, but I guess Ramosh sensed it, and, or, or he heard it, whatever it is. And, and, and according to this book, he basically said he went to sleep like about 20 minutes or a half hour later than the schedule. And he said, tell, tell the Rebbetson I went to sleep on time. That's like a mutalashanais in a subtle, subtle way. But this is basically when the general overall relationship is based on an emes and on an honesty. So then you could do that. But you can't take it to the extent that it will be totally, totally um, deception and, and, and not telling the truth and not being open about what, to one another. It's very important to keep it very, very open, very, very honest, very, very truthful. And the idea, again, going back, is that to aspire to have a loving relationship, to, 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 to keep, remember that you're planting seeds every single time you listen, every time, single time you offer comfort, every single time you invest in your relationship, every time you put your uh, husband or wife's interests above your own, you are planting seeds to create the most beautiful marriage Something that you're, you're, is the greatest gift that you could give to your children. It's the greatest gift that you could give to your grandchildren to be a role model for other couples. And, and, and it's healthier for the society. And like we said many, many times, when you work on your Shalom bias and you try to improve it yourself, you think you're just helping your own family. You're just helping yourself and your wife or husband or your children. You're helping Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael needs this desperately. They need healthy, strong houses with healthy families, with healthy husbands and wives that love each other deeply. We need that in Klai Yisrael. When you're doing that and when you're repairing your marriage and when you're helping your marriage and when you're fixing your marriage and you're doing your best to bring it, to allow it to thrive, you're not just helping yourself. You are helping Klai Yisrael. You're building a base on Migdash. Yes, true, the Taira, the Gula will come when we get rid of Lashon Hara and Sinas Chinam. And the Gula will come when we're Marbet Taira and Klai Yisrael, where there's more shuls, more people learning, more people davening, more people doing mitzvahs and Kamilas Chasadim. But equally true is that every house is a base Mikdash Ma'at. Every time there's Shalom between a husband and a wife, the Shechina is in that house. So we want to have each house, one after the other, after the other, where there's Shalom there and the Shechina is there. The Shalom there and the Shechina is there. And it increases, and it's moisev ahaylach, and it spreads through all of Klal Yisrael, all through all lands of Klal Yisrael, all through different cultures in Klal Yisrael, where there's a special shalom, real deep ahava between a husband and wife. Of course, doing our best to bring in that chut hamesholosh, the third chord, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who brings them both together, and gives them all the gifts that they could give. It is really, really a special thing. So. My deepest thriller is, and my hope is, is this book and other things we will learn and the things we did in the earliest Shurim and all the other Shurim 
And again, it's not from me. I'm just a malakit. But to please take it seriously, ingrain it. It should become a priority in every person's life. And I understand. I understand that it is very difficult. We have a lot of things, uh, the waves of Nisyonis in the in our lives. Some people that are listening have harder lives than others. Sometimes ha- everyone has it hard in many ways. Everyone goes through tests in life. No one has it easy. But there are some that have it harder than others. And for some, they are faced with more challenge than others. So it's very difficult to, 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 to go up on a pedestal and say, no, you know, fix yourself, or you have to do this, you have to do that, or spend time with the same thing like that. We understand that there's a lot of pressures in life. But ultimately, ultimately, the truth is, is that this is the Pesach to everything. This is the key to everything. And, and even if you feel you have nowhere to turn or not nowhere, you don't know where to start, you start off by davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help you with this. Like we said, tefillah is the verb first step. You daven to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for Shalom Bayis. And you ask him sincerely to help you. And then you do your hishtadlis. And you do your best. You do your, your healthy behaviors like we talk about in the shiurim. And then there's persistence. Persistence means that you keep at it whether you see results or don't see results. Most beautiful things come. It takes time. It's like when you plant certain types of vegetable seeds and it sprouts very quickly and you have some vegetables in a relatively short period of time. When it comes to fruit trees which are more lasting and more beautiful and more sustaining, but a tree takes much longer to grow. It takes patience. It takes time. But whether it's vegetables and whether it's fruits, whether no matter what, ultimately Paris will come out. You will see the results. Not to get discouraged. And keep on investing in it, perseverance, and ultimately you'll see Hashem will help and will bring that warmth and love to you and to your wife, to your husband, to your mishpachas. And we'll bring Shalom and Klai Yisrael, by which we should will be Zaycha Be'ez Hashem to the Geula, B'mheir V'yameinu Amen.